0: Can Congress do the seemingly impossible, like get 2021 appropriations bills done before the end of the current fiscal year? And will agencies spend the money that's been appropriated? And how will industry deal with the end of budget growth for the Defense Department? Those are some of the questions contractors are asking now that fiscal 2020 is finally underway. For more, the president and CEO of the Professional Services Council, David Berteau. And David, the budget request, let's start there, for 2021 is due in just a few weeks
1: and then what <laughs> that's right tom uh, you know the it is true that we only right before christmas got a final uh, fy20 appropriations full year appropriations across the federal government in two bills uh, yet we're almost ready for the president's budget to be sent to congress for fiscal year 21 uh, and it's hard to think about that when you're this close to fy20 but it's important to think about that because uh, Congress will start marking up the, those uh, budget proposals uh, in February and March, and actually it's going to be – they're going to be hard-pressed to get it work done in time to start fiscal year 21, uh, October 1st, uh, 2020. So that's not very far away.
0: But it is an election year, and therefore they could get the work done in anticipation of what some think might be a change of administration. That dynamic often affects budgeting. It planning does. In, in, in election it, years.
1: It does. You look at an election year, Congress frequently will say, let's just start under continuing resolution because we don't know who's going to win the election. We don't know what the makeup of the next Congress will be and so on. And yet there's a couple of advantages Congress has this time that aren't always there. Number one is we've already agreed. And in fact, the bipartisan budget agreement from last August Set the spending caps for fiscal year 21. So there should be no debate over what the level is, either for defense or for civilian agencies. And that level is almost the same as it was for fiscal year 20. So you actually have a starting point of your fiscal year 20 appropriations, which we just finalized and enacted, right? The second thing is, we have done this before. Election years in 2008, in 1996, were two of the last few years we've had where we actually began the fiscal year with full year appropriations in place. Also, very fresh in minds of Congress and the executive branch right now, and of course all the contractors, are the negative impacts of a CR on on spending. And and there's evidence, in fact, that uh, the government doesn't get what it needs in a timely way in a continuing resolution. And of course, the impact we had of just a year ago, we were in the middle of a, a 35-day shutdown. All of those are lessons that Congress should take and move quickly to appropriate the funds necessary for fiscal year 21 so we can start the fiscal year on time with full-year appropriations.
0: Because even when Congress and the president approve the budget before Christmas, it still takes a few weeks for the budgets and the accounts to get set up so agencies can actually spend the money.
1: It does. And and one of the things that we've seen in the previous years is, in fact, uh, many of the agencies fall behind, right? We're already in January. Uh, we're looking at the possibility of uh of, only 8 months of of time to spend the money OMB has not yet apportioned the FY20 appropriations out to the agencies so they're still captured there so there really isn't a lot of time agencies also seem to have trouble spending the money cuz they don't actually have all the workforce the program workforce uh, the contracting officers, et cetera, we hear regularly, contracting officers, my plate is too full, I can't process anymore. And yet the work is there to be done, and Congress has directed that it be done. So it needs to be undertaken.
0: Yeah, it's almost like the end of the fiscal when the beginning of the fiscal is so late, and people do rush to try to get things done, then the contracting officers have that backlog, I guess.
1: It's a backlog, and it and it takes a long time to get that uh, backlog out of the way. We're convinced at PSC that Billions of dollars of appropriated funds have expired unobligated, even though it's hard to get the data out of the federal government. And this is a shame when that work is there to be done.
0: We're speaking with David Bertel, president and CEO of the Professional Services Council. And what about that Defense Department? Because as you say, the caps are set. And there's been some serious growth in the past few years in defense spending, including there the OCO.
1: There, there has been. Uh, FY18 and 19 and 20 all had uh, 80 to $90 billion increases in defense uh, uh, over the prior years. Uh, that increase slows down and actually reverses itself a little bit for fiscal year 21. This is a little notice fact of the bipartisan budget agreement for last year. For DOD, when inflation is taken into account, it's actually a cut of about $10 billion over what DOD was expecting to have in FY21. So inside the Pentagon now, they're finalizing the budget proposal that takes that $10 billion out. In fact, it may take more than that out because they have new priorities they want to spend that money on. Uh, As you move forward into that, what this means is I think an opportunity for Defense Department and perhaps a responsibility of the department to look to contractors to provide ways uh, to provide better readiness, uh, better sustainment at lower cost uh, in less time. Uh, and, and actually bring more access to technology and innovation uh, as well as access to the critical workforce that, uh, that the government needs to have. They should really be looking to contractors to do more of that, not less.
0: But you're not looking for the return of the A-76 process anytime soon.
1: Well, I think that's the wrong way to go about it, actually, because mm-hmm. what that does is codify old ways of doing business rather than saying what's the new processes and technology that you mm-hmm. can incorporate that actually produces better results at lower cost. Inherent in that idea, though, is the government has to define what results it wants, not just by input of labor hours and labor categories, but actually define results and issue contracts that get you those results in performance. Yeah,
0: that's really the question. Do you sense in dealing with agencies, do your members sense that there are strategies and programs and outcomes that are desired now that they have the money and they're going to go ahead with fiscal 2020? Is the vision there to actually do something with the Trillions that the government will spend that it doesn't have.
1: We see signs of that in agencies, uh, in the Defense Department, for instance. There are there are you know assistant secretaries in the military departments who are, really are beginning to focus on results for readiness and sustainment, and that's a very positive sign. It's not hard to figure out how to put it into a a source selection uh, or process. We're put it in RFP. If this is what we want, what's difficult is the evaluation criteria that actually allows you to award it to that. Uh, a contractor that'll give you the best results. For instance, uh, you know, if you want artificial intelligence workforce, right? You're going to have to pay more. I think uh, we've seen evidence that uh, the average salary of an AI is over two hundred thousand dollars a year. That doesn't fit well within a government contract uh, uh, framework if all you're going to, to is lower cost.
0: That's right, and the contractors are actually rating one another for artificial intelligence talent to go along with cybersecurity, which is still an ongoing. Need.
1: Right. And this particularly and difficult, sort of related at some point, sort of related, it is. And in fact, it's also tied very much to security clearances where, you know, we've seen that the backlog of investigations has gone down, but the time to get a clearance has not yet gone down. And so one contractor taking a worker from another contractor is one of the ways in which you can meet the contractor's needs but or the government's needs. But in fact, what we really need is a process that gets us clearances much faster.
0: Yeah. So that's really a big thing on the plate for the Defense Department this year. They've got the security clearance process. Now they have to make good on this promise to do it in some fashion with continuous monitoring of people and so on to be able to get those backlogs down and speed up the whole process. They're nowhere near that yet, really.
1: There's been a lot of articulation of goals and the description of what they think the right process is going to be. Uh, It's too early to tell how well that's working or rather we don't have the data that shows how well that's working uh plus the government is getting ready to implement the new trusted workforce 2.0 Uh, version of that. Uh, They're awaiting the president's uh, memorandum to be signed and issued. Uh, The deadline for implementing this uh, is October, so each day that the memo is delayed is one day less to get the work done. A lot of uncertainty, a lot of challenges facing DOD. Plus, we still have the issues that contractors face across the board of a lack of reciprocity. Clearance of good in one place is not necessarily good in another until days, weeks, months, or even years go by. And we've got the issue of sharing information where the government will often have Negative information about a contractor, uh, which they will not share with that contractor, and that perpetuates problems uh, wherever they arise.
0: What else are contractors worried about top of mind as the curtain opens, at least on calendar 2020, well into fiscal 2020?
1: Well, you mentioned cybersecurity, and there I think there are a couple of paths that are underway. The Defense Department, of course, has a very ambitious uh, program underway for cybersecurity maturity model certification, where every contractor and subcontractor uh, will become certified or else they won't be able to bid and win government contracts, even as a subcontractor. Uh, that is has its own challenges as it's, we implement this year. But on the civilian agency side, it's an even bigger challenge and it's one that's not being talked about very much. Uh, civilian agencies have no common standards. Uh, DOD is moving towards a common set of standards of what kind of cybersecurity a contractor should have. The civilian agencies have no common standards. They don't even have common contract language or common requirements or processes. And yet the challenges are just as great in the civilian agencies for cybersecurity threats and vulnerabilities as they are in the Defense Department.
0: David Berteau is president and CEO of the Professional Services Council. Thanks so much. We're going to follow all of these things closely, and you'll be part of the ongoing commentary team as we go ahead
1: into 2020. We look forward to it, Tom. It's going to be a great year.
0: We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One.